0: helping you find pleasure in God. Next, here on Truth For Today. Again, greetings and welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. This week as we celebrate Christmas, we do so celebrating the pleasure that we find in God. And if you find yourself lacking in that area, stick around. We'll help you along the way. Our series is called Finding Pleasure in God, focusing a closer look on the affections of love. We're in 1 Corinthians 13. Join us there for today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Our teacher and pastor now, once again, Pastor Phil Howard.
1: look if you will to first corinthians 13 and i'm going to just read a passage the classic description of love and uh... today we're going to look deeper at the affection of love that when god moves on his people the fountainhead of all the affections or the emotional responses they have to god is this overwhelming sense of the love of God and i just want to read uh, the classic description of love in verse 4 13 4 first corinthians love is patient love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud it is not rude It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. And that is a great translation. Uh, Others don't reflect that, but that's a great translation. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres now if you will turn to first peter one eight where we have introduced this enjoying god duty or delight and uh... let me read to you that great passage of first peter one eight the a uh, theme verse that jonathan edwards used for his book religious affections and i must say if you want to pursue this subject uh, And beyond my limited ability, I've been reading on this for about eight years, it's the first time I've ever spoken on it, because I've been cogitating on it for years myself. Read Religious Affections by Jonathan Edwards. Uh, There are modified editions that simplify. If not, read The Dangerous Duty of Delight by John Piper. We have it in our bookstore, it's a little book, I think it's about 60 pages. I would start there because Jonathan can bury you uh, in his brilliance. Uh, But just to tell you, I'm borrowing different men that have made me say these thoughts. One eight. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with yawns, sleepiness, and non-excitement because you're not the emotional type. You believe in him. And you're filled, filled, overflowing with inexpressible and glorious joy. And this he writes to a suffering church, to a suffering church. Now. Let me just lay some groundwork. Religious affections. Why? Then we'll delve into looking at how love, how this gust out in our heart looks like. Let me say it again. The the term came about in the 1700s from a genius theologian, a staunch, staunch uh, theologian. Believe me, his stature is no one claims to be equal to him in this country to this day, no one. He's hard to read because he's so brilliant. But in the awakening, when there was revivals breaking out different places, uh, and I'm reading a book that you may want to enjoy, Revival and Revivalism by Ian Murray, who surveys the revivals that broke out in America. a None of, Some of you don't read any history, so you don't know what's happened since before you were born, there was some, something happening before we got here. And so you read history. And in this history, it tells of the great revivals that would sweep through regions, hundreds being saved, uh, baptisms, just marvelous history. But in it, there were excesses. There would be people who would swoon. They would uh, faint in a service. Uh, They may yell out. Uh, There were emotional excesses. And so the revival was uh, suspect by the intelligentsia. God couldn't be in this. Anything that gets emotionally carried away, uh, it's just a bunch of froth. It's a a lot of heat and no light. And so Jonathan Edwards being a part of that revival, seeing it, knowing George Whitefield, this mighty preacher from England, and seeing the divine results that swept down the East Coast in the Great Awakening, he said, oh, no, 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 it was not all froth. It was not all an emotional whipped-up meeting. Let me tell you the lasting effects. And then he went further. He said, by the way, let me tell you how God affects his people. That Christianity is more than a bunch of right thoughts. It's more than just a bunch of volitional decisions. God's people have been affected by him. He he has had a divine effect on them. And uh, I give you that. You can read this in this uh, notes that was given. Take time to read it some great quotes, but I wanted to give you American Heritage definition of affections. Just get this, to have an influence on, or to affect change in. That's what Jonathan's thing. God, you know, it's just like I see Grand Canyon, and, and you see something grander, and you say, is that it? He... He's arguing no one can come to see Jesus Christ revealed in the gospel and come to know God personally and just say, is that it? That he will affect you in certain biblical ways, and I listed 12 or 14, we're going to focus on the fountainhead of them, love, but his argument is you're touched by, you're moved by it, psychologically, quoting the dictionary, it's a feeling. Or emotion as distinguished from cognition, thought, or action. A strong feeling having active consequences. That's what just a good secular, that is what Jonathan Edwards is thinking of. Can you come to know God and be unaffected by God? He would say no. And he listed all the trivia that happened in the revival. All the uh, chaff. Of people who would profess, who worst out, and who were emotional but didn't last. And so he does a critique of all the false, and then he winds up with his 12, and you'll have to read the book. But I want to begin with where Peter does, that though you haven't seen him, you have come to love him. Now, that's the greatest affection that God could ever do, is that you would come to love God. Uh, and let 's develop that, and uh, we think that God commands all kinds of affections. you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, soul, and body but let's let 's examine this a little bit uh, how does god 's love affect you let's say you you 've never known God and you come to be a christian and You got saved in one of these revivals of the awakening. You came to be saved in time. Let's look at this emotion, this affection called love. How does it work in the Christian? Three ways I see the love of God, how it affects us. Three ways. The first way is you are aware for the first time in your life that you are loved personally by God. That God has set his affections on you. I don't know if you'll ever... You might ask yourself, when was the first time it struck me that God personally loved me? I'm afraid there's many Christians that don't even think in this category even now. Do you know why the uh, self-worth, self-esteem, self-image, self-help industry is abounding? People feel worthless. People feel I don't have the right esteem. Nobody thinks I'm worth anything. So we have an abounding industry in psychology. Self-help, self-worth, self-esteem. And uh, be good to yourself. You're somebody. And we teach all this self-talk. You know what? Unless you have a significant other saying you have worth, you'll never believe your own self-talk. You can't talk up your worth enough. And then all of a sudden you go along and you hear this message. I love you so much in a personal way that I personally sent the payment for your sin in my son. And I so love the world, and you were a part of that wicked scheme that I sacrificed my son for you. When God makes that penetrate the heart for the first time, and the scales fall off your eyes, and you really hear that message, it will melt you like nothing else in all this world. You mean God loves me? God loves me? And this is the first thing that overwhelms you, the love of God that he would give his son. So it's first of all, this love is an overwhelming sense. I am loved by God. Uh, You might try it sometime. Uh, I did it in Ephesians that you were worth a son to the father. The father said, I'm willing to give a son to demonstrate to them that I love them. This is Romans 5. While we were sinners. While we were weak, while we were ungodly, God sent his son to die for us. You ought to stand in the mirror. I mean, we all live with self-doubt, maybe esteem problems. Maybe your dad didn't treat you right. A husband didn't treat you right. A brother, a sister, whatever. Not everybody in this life treats you the way you want to be treated. But then all of a sudden, you realize God has said, I am the apple of his eye, that I've been chosen to know his son. And get this, you know what he did? The moment he saved you, hear me. Romans 5 5 says, he told the Holy Spirit, I want you to be gushed abroad in their heart. When God regenerates you, when you're born again, the spirit is gushed abroad like, just take a geyser and all over your heart you're overwhelmed with the sense I am loved by God. That is an overwhelming thing. Not God's angry with me. Not God's a great judge is going to get me. No, God loves me and the Spirit indwells me. He's gushing that all the time. I was interviewed for a a group one time and they came in it was years ago in this church and the interviewer asked me says "Uh, please describe to me your love for god how much do you love god i said well i must say at this phase of my journey i don't talk as much about how much i love him as i do how much he loves me for my love is like a yo-yo It's up and down. It's, uh, you know, I I love the Lord, I believe, but the greatest comfort I have is he loves me, and he's not a yo-yo. And I gave him Romans 5, 5. The love of God, and that verse there means God's love for you has been gushed abroad in your heart. Number one. Second thing that happens in this love, for the first time in your life, you begin to love him. According to John 8, he told them, the reason you don't receive me, Jesus talking to the Jewish leaders, is you don't love God. For if you love God, you would receive God's love gift. And the reason you don't, you just don't love God. Let me tell you, all men and women outside of Jesus Christ do not love God. And that's why they don't come to God. Jesus said the reason people don't get saved in John 3, 18 and 19 is they don't come to the light because it would expose their sins. And they love their sins more than they would love to come to God. So people go to hell. People continue in their sin because, quite quite frankly, they love sin more than they love God. Wake up. Is that too offensive? Is that too profound? That is the truth. The reason we stay in sin is we love sin. And not until you've been saved and God has shown you the true and living God, the the superlative of everything, the greatest love, the greatest person you could ever know, then in the new birth, he affects you so that you could say with Peter, we have come to love God. That's not strange. He told Israel in Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And you shall serve him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your body. It's interesting. When he said God is one, he said that God is undivided. He's a compound unity. He's undivided. He's one. And he says, I want you to love me in an undivided way. Don't have a part of your life that loves sin, a part of your life that loves... I want heart, soul, mind, body. I want you to be undivided in your loyal love towards me. Don't have a rival. Love me in an undivided way. That's all God really wants. If you'll settle who you're going to love, all the other will fall into place. It's like in a marriage. If you've already concluded there'll be no rivals, you've you've nailed 95% down of at least this marriage going to make it. But if you're always looking for a third party, you're already in trouble and you'll always be in trouble. There can be no rivals to true love. So, I come to be loved by God. I come to be enabled to love God back. And I struggle with that, quite frankly. A lot of times, I'll start out. I'll say, "It, Lord, I love you," and then I always say, "Do I?" I'm kind of guess myself because I hear Him asking Peter, "Peter, do you love Me?" After Peter's been a great failure, yeah, I think I do. Well, feed my sheep. Could I love you without putting up with your sheep? No, you gotta take care of them too. That's interesting that God made Peter's love contingent on whether he would take care of people. The third aspect of God's love affecting you is you become a people lover. It always starts with loving those who know the same Father. We turn into people lovers. Is that not amazing? I know, I I talk to quite a few Christians. I love God, I just can't stand his people. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I don't like Christians. They bug me. There's a lot of hypocrites in church. Well, where else could they play it out pretty good? There's hypocrites in everything. There's hypocrite Elks, hypocrite Masons, hypocrite Democrats. There's a hypocrite in everything. Does that mean there's no real thing? No, no, no. But you'll get, you know, it's a favorite sport to pick on what's wrong with God's kids. And some folks, it's just their excuse for not loving anybody. They haven't found anybody good enough to love. Nobody quite passes. Now, he said, when this love of God is just to in our heart, John says, we know we're walking in the light when we are loving the brethren, and we know we're in darkness when we don't love them a good question do you love God do you love people and uh, it's an amazing thing how beat up you can get around people who say they know God they're rude uh, they're insensitive they're self-centered they're selfish matter of fact they act like dirty old sheep And sheep are wayward, blind, stubborn. But God is in the process of taking a heart that all it knows itself, its wants. And it teaches you to love people. Listen to what Paul says. The love of Christ constrains me to share Christ with all men. For if one died for all, then we're all guilty. And I'm constrained, you Corinthians, to do what I do because the love of God is pushing me forward to do it. How do you love people? Well, I'll give you some ways. Romans 12 says you love them sincerely. And that means without pretense, without wearing a mask. Can you genuinely, God is not telling us, go out there and act like you love people when you can't stand them. I, I love you. Well, that's not what God's producing. What this love of God is, it fills the heart so that you have to do something towards them. It's not you do something and you have nothing in your heart. That's hypocrisy. Is there anything God's doing in your heart that's overflowing with wanting to do good to show love? And how do you express love? It's got to come out some way. Words, deeds, uh, you know, some way. We all are built different. But it becomes concrete. Now, now wait, 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 wait. Do, do we get to pick the model of how to love or does God set it? Are you going to tell God how to love? No, you don't know anything about it. None of us. God says, Follow the lead of my son. I left you an example of how to love. And how was that, Lord Jesus? I stooped to wash the feet of failing men, of men that are going to abandon me this night. I took the role of a servant. I washed their feet. Judas has already went out to betray me. And I told all 11 men, you're all going to abandon me before the night's over. And then Christ could have said, and by the way, I am abandoning you. Why didn't he? He had the kind of love that could keep loving failing people. He had the kind of love That he had already forgiven Peter before Peter failed. He predicted in Luke 22, you're going to be a washout before the night's over for Satan has requested to sift your soul and I've granted it to him, Peter, but I already plan to restore you. Do you know Christians who give these ultimatums? Well, you better never do that to me or I'll never forgive you. Who? are you to hand out ultimatums. If God treated you the same way, you'd be in hell. For if there is no forgiveness, there is no heaven. And I'm amazed that us who do the most sinning have the biggest problem forgiving. Have you ever seen some folks that are the world's biggest jerk and on top of it, they forgive no one because they They are kind of righteous when they get in, when they can catch in something, they take the righteous stand. You know, I do things right. No, you don't. And the evidence is you find no joy in forgiveness. Did you know that forgiveness is a gift to the person who asks it? And it's always greater to give than to receive. Love. You'll love people sincerely.
0: And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Our series is called Finding Pleasure in God, one that we would love to pass along to you for a gift of any amount as you support the ministry of Truth For Today. You can reach us at 800-833-9864. Again, that's 800-833-9864. You're also welcome to visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And then, as we conclude our time together today, we would send out a special invitation to join us for special Christmas services. Saturday evening, the 24th, 7 to 8 p.m., bring the whole family, celebrate the birth of Jesus with us, and then... Only one service, Sunday morning at 10 a.m., service for the whole family. There won't be nursery or classes available, but we'll have a marvelous time worshiping and celebrating the birth, the first advent of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Details and directions can be found on our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864 directions, and again, more information on our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by simply calling us. If you're writing to us for further information about the ministry, maybe you have a prayer request, a comment about the program, maybe you'd like to partner with us financially, knowing that this broadcast is presented daily on this station through your financial partnership. Feel free to write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, hercules california the zip code is 94547 thank you so much for joining us today we look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of truth for today with pastor phil howard